Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Tony Atterbury, you are just... Huh. What an exceptional human being. And your whole family. I, I, I just... I. Love the Atterbury family. I can't even wait to see what Sophia's gonna do. You're just, you are, you come from good stock, Sophia. God's got big plans for you. I saw where you work, by the way. I went to the rec center the other day. It's a cool place. Um, Isaiah says this. By the way, sometimes if you're new to our church, sometimes I'll just randomly have a random conversation with one person. Doesn't mean I don't like you. It's just, I like a lot of people in our church. Isaiah says that God makes streams in the wilderness and pathways through the desert. I believe this Sunday, today, this message is an unlocking message. I believe that God wants to make streams in your wilderness. If you've been going through a wilderness season, he is about to make streams flow in your wilderness. He is about to open a door that no man can open and he's gonna shut some doors that no man can shut. So I want you to lean in. I'm telling you, you didn't come to church on accident today. Some of you, you were thinking about quitting. You've been thinking about quitting, tapping out. I believe there's somebody in here, if that's you, God wants you to know, don't quit. Don't quit. He's for you. He's for you. I feel the presence of God in the room. Amy Thomas. The Holy Spirit is reactivating you. It's reactivating you. There's been, it's been a season of just kind of feeling like, like sidelined a little bit. Not that anybody sidelined you, but just in your heart, you felt like, man, I, I, I don't feel my rhythm. I don't feel in my step. I don't feel as purposed as I did, but, but even with the sound of freedom thing, God's beginning to reactivate and he's, he's positioning you. He's posi- and the timing was perfect. I just want you to know, I, I feel him wanting to tell you that the season where you thought you were bench, you, it was really critical that you were just where you were with your daughters in this season. And then you were sowing seeds of relationship that are gonna blossom into having a relationship with the teenagers, which God is gonna bless because of the, the time you put in these last couple years. But as that, it's like that relationship shifted and God had this waiting for you, this new mission, this new place. And, and you don't have to, like, you will get to travel and see lots of things, but he's showing you, you don't have to be at the end of the earth for my calling to be activated and for the need that you're called to to be realized here. Get ready. This whole writing grant thing, there's, it's bigger than you think. God's gonna open doors and I just see, I see a bunch of, they look like apartment doors and I see you opening them and there's young ladies in there and, you're, and they're just so happy to see you. You're ministering to the most broken and hurting young ladies and you're restoring their purity, you're restoring their love. God has big plans for you here. God has big plans for you here. Thank you, Lord, for Amy. Thank you for that this next season for the Thomas family is going to be the most fun and radical one they've had so far. In Jesus' name, amen. 
then, uh, I'm sorry I don't know your name, but young lady in the blue shirt, I just looked over during worship and I saw you. And I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper to me that you're one of his favorites. And he really, really loves you and he's proud of you. He's proud of you. And then I felt him say that I'm gonna protect her and that the enemy doesn't like you. There is an enemy and he doesn't like you because you have a soft heart towards the Lord. And the enemy's done his best to try to sabotage and, and, and bring just almost like a confusion. But you need to know this, that God is proud of you and that he has big plans for you. And that's why the enemy's tried his hardest to mess with you, but he's gonna lose. God's gonna win and you have big plans ahead of you. So whenever the enemy tries to whisper, you know, whatever he whispers, you remind him, I know why you started this, you picked this fight. He's gonna restore, I feel like it was almost like you felt like something was stolen from you when you were younger. Like, like, like overnight, it, just, it was robbed from you, but God's gonna restore everything that was robbed from you. And the Bible says that the thief owed sevenfold. So you're gonna see like a seven X of what you felt was taken from you, what wasn't right, what wasn't fair. God's gonna seven X and bring it back and even more. Get ready, good things are coming your way. You are awesome. And Holy Spirit wants you to know that, okay? Awesome. All right. We're going we're gonna to pray for some people at the end of the service, but I want to get uh, through this message because, I, like I said, there's a... How many people would like some streams in their wilderness this morning? How many people would like some desert season to be over in a nice green path and God show you where you're going, huh? Anybody? Am I the only one? Oh, my hands are up, both of them. Hey, give three or four people a high five, take a seat, and can we thank our amazing worship team? What a morning. Oh, wow. Who loves the Parsons? I love Devin and Mallory Parsons. You guys are just fun. You just have fun up here. Like you just natural, you feel like it's like we're in your living room, you're having a conversation. I love that. I love that about you guys. I'm gonna get into this message right now, but can I just tell you something? I wanna hit on the Pathfinder breakfast for a minute. Do you know that at Awaken Church, we read the Bible? It's wild. It's wild. We read the Bible. And so we, we actually think we should preach what the Bible says. And uh, I know, this is so deep. Get ready. It's going to get even more deeper. The devil has done his finest work in convincing Christians that money is evil. That's not what the scripture says. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Because all money is, is soldiers that you tell what to do with. So whatever's in the man, whatever's in the woman, yeah, they'll just be, it'll be increased when you increase in finances. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the point. We believe that you're to love God and use money. And there is no shame. In fact, for too long, Christians have used the excuse that, oh, if I have money, that would be bad. And they don't go after the full plan God had for them. God intends this valley to be flipped upside down by strong men and women in, in places of influence, yeah, right. education, yeah. business, uh, entertainment. We need Christian influence there. And you know what? God, Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. So God looks at your heart. But the world, 
You ain't gonna have influence if you're not winning. You're just not. That's how the world works. It's the reality. The world looks at you and says, what have you done? What have you accomplished? What have you done? And so we believe that you have a supernatural edge. You have the Holy Spirit, like Tony shared, giving her, giving her business strategies to 4X her income in one area of her business. You have access to that. And that's what Pathfire is about. It's about you stepping into your influence. So you are worth the investment. Come on, tap yourself on the head and say, I'm worth the investment. Come on. <laughs> Come on, I should have had a, was that, V8 or something? That's an engine. Anyways, <laughs> come on. You're worth it. You're worth it. So get to Pathfinders. I'm going to be there. Uh, and Jeff Finster is the creator of Everbowl, the fastest growing uh, restaurant chain, I think, right now, like in America. And his, his stuff on technique, and you, you don't have to own a restaurant to get gold from him. Vertical alignment, business strategy. He is a boss. So... Get to that Pathfinder's breakfast. You're worth it. And God wants us to influence this city. We watched the movie uh, Sound of Freedom on Tuesday. Amazing, influential couple in our church bought two movie theater rooms so that people could see this movie. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Can't buy those movie, you can't buy out movie rooms if you don't have success. So they did that. And I was so, it's such a hard movie to watch. As a father, this is a person, and to know that that evil does exist, that is, it is present today. And so I was moved to just pray on Wednesday morning because I was actually grieved just from seeing that. I know it exists, but when you see the movie, it just, it makes you want to take action. By the way, on Sunday, we're going to have a representative from OUR here who's going to be able to answer questions, how you can get involved here in Utah, and also how to identify and report when you think trafficking is going on. So we're going to be a church that actually has eyes to see. So bring your neighbors, bring your friends. It's a free movie. We got permission to show it here. It's going to be powerful. But as I was praying... And just grieving, I said, God, like, I want to do something. Like, I got out of that movie, and I just wanted to headbutt a pedo and throw him in a wood chopper, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> I love you, Tony. <laughs> Tony was more fired up than anyone. She looked like she was going to kill someone. Uh, you know, and I, so I'm, God, what do we do? What, do? what do I do? What can I do? And he whispered to me, what we're doing, being the church, is the answer. See, God hasn't changed the solution. The solution was always the church. Jesus came to unlock and release and create his ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. The church is the solution. Why is the church the solution? Because when the church spreads and the gospel is preached, the demand goes away. If there was no perversion and darkness and evil out there, there would be no demand for it. And so the church isn't the building. The church is the people. You being fully activated in who God made you to be, you operating in the calling that God has put on your life will unlock other people. And gradually we can remove all, all demand, which means the supply stops. And on my watch in Salt Lake City, in Utah, I want to believe that we could have a state where the demand doesn't exist. And that's coming from the church. It's coming from the church. So don't think it's a small thing when you start you know, serving and, and discipling people and opening your house for a connect group. It is not a small thing. It actually transforms culture. And also, darkness exists in the absence of light. The truth being taught and shown, it removes darkness. It removes darkness. So I want us to be an activated church. And that's where this message is coming from because... 
I really feel that God is getting ready to do a brand new thing. And uh, I'm going to start. I've been in the book of Romans like crazy lately. If you have not read the book of Romans recently, it is an amazing book in the Bible. Probably one of my favorites. And I want to start here with Romans 8.35. I want you to catch something. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? I'm just going to pause there. How many people get on this treadmill where you're running but you're not going anywhere, where when life's good, you think God loves you, and when life's bad, you're like, oh, God must be mad at me. Anybody, anyone ever have those thoughts like a little bit? I, I have that thought sometimes. I'm like, what is happening? I, get, I begin to be influenced by my circumstance instead of letting the word of God influence the way I see the circumstance. Let the word of God, not your circumstance, dictate what, what, how you see this thing. So let me tell you this. One thing I can promise you as a Christian, God has good things for you. As a Christian, as one of his children, he wants to bless you. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have a great family. He wants you to have strong, good finances. He wants all that for you. But don't ever think that being a Christian means you never have trouble. In fact, you open your life up to a new kind of trouble. Okay, now some of the old trouble goes away when you start following Jesus. Some of the things you used to do, some of the hangovers you used to have, some of the addictions you used to be in. Like, like trust me, things get better being a Christian. But you've also now painted a big target on your chest because the devil didn't mind you doing what you were, you doing you when you weren't when you were in his camp, right? He he was fine when you were living your truth. By the way, that phrase, "live your truth." <laughs> It's directly out of the satanic Bible. So I, I'm not saying you're satanic if you've ever used it. I know it sounds kind of cool, like live your truth, bro, you know, but, but I'm just, that's actually what the satanic Bible says to do. There isn't your truth, my truth, their truth. There is the truth. And then we, we either go against the truth or we live in the truth. Does that make sense? So let, just, let, here at this church, we say, hey, live the truth, okay? Not your truth. But anyway, so Paul's going off on this. He says, uh, trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. He doubles down here and he brings up, uh, this is a scripture from Psalms 44. He says, as the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Pretty rough. But here we go. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Over overwhelming victory. They don't have a title screen because I didn't have internet yesterday, but the title of my message, if you're taking notes and want to go to heaven, is overwhelming victory. Over, I'm joking, by the way. Overwhelming victory. That's God's plan. That is God's plan for you, that you in him will have overwhelming victory despite your circumstance, despite what's going on at the moment, despite the battle you might be in in this moment, despite what life's thrown at you. God's, you say, God, what are you doing with, what's your plan with this? You might not know every day plan, but I can tell you the, the max plan where he's gonna finish line, where the finish line is, overwhelming victory. That's the finish line for what God wants to do in your life. Now, here's the deal. You can't have overwhelming victory without an overwhelming circumstance to overcome, right? They wouldn't call it overwhelming victory. Like when I play basketball with my five and six-year-old, if I beat them, that's not an overwhelming victory. <laughs> In fact, it's just, that's what happens. And I, and I go hard, man. I dunk on them. I let them know who's boss. Because one day, this could switch. It will switch. 
But if they were to beat me, that would be an overwhelming victory, right? Because I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm taller. You get the point. So in order to have a life marked with overwhelming victory, that means sometimes you're gonna have overwhelming battles. And don't think that God has abandoned you in the midst of those. Often those overwhelming battles are God's setup for his ultimate plan he has for you. I don't know anybody that's really, really operating at a high level and, and successful that didn't have some overwhelming battles they fought before they stepped into overwhelming victory. This, this, this pattern is repeated in your Bible over and over and over. If you don't read your Bible regularly on your own, can I encourage you? You should. You should, because God will use that, those words. There's, there's logos word, which is the written word. That's your Bible. And then there's what the Bible calls rhema word. A rhema word is when the Holy Spirit activates a word from the logos, what was written, and says, in this season, this is your word. This is your promise. When Peter walked on water, he didn't walk on water. He walked on the words. Jesus said, Come. And because the word of God has power, it's the most powerful thing on earth. It, it trumps everything else. When the word of God, the rhema word is released, Peter walked on water. He was walking on the word. And that's how you and me are. In the Bible, all these stories, Moses has to free the Israelites. Overwhelming odds. He's going up against, at that time, the strongest nation in the world and the strongest military in the world. But God shows up. Joseph was, had a prophetic dream that his brothers would all bow him. He would be a ruler. He finds himself in prison as an accused rapist, attempted rape. That's a big gap from being the second most powerful man in the world right under Pharaoh. But guess what? But God. Okay, overwhelming victory. The Bible repeats this pattern to show you that with God, obedience to God leads to overwhelming victory. So can I help shift your mindset when I'm, I have begun to learn how to do this. I won't say I'm perfect at it, but most of the time when I'm facing something that seems really scary or really big or really tough, I begin to shift my mind and go, God, what are you setting me up for? Um, this will lead to overwhelming victory. The next thing for me is victory. Amen. Okay, so a roadmap. I was praying about this. I said, all right, God, I want, who wants to live in overwhelming victory? Anyone besides me? I'm down for overwhelming victory. Yes, amen. I'll drink to that. Can you give me a roadmap, Lord? And he brings me to one of my favorite passages of scripture, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, if you've been around church culture, you know your OG, you know what vacation Bible school is, all that stuff, you've probably heard the phrase like, uh, oh, I'm in my zigzag," or this is my zigzag," or, or somebody said to you, you're like, you're in your zigzag moment. What does that mean? Well, that comes from this passage and it comes from David because this chapter is one chapter before David becomes King David. And it's been a long road to get here. He's gone on 14 years now. 14 years ago, but, uh, a prophet he's never met busts in and says, hey, you, you're gonna be the new king of Israel. And he's probably happy at that. I mean, like, that's awesome, cool, yay, woo -hoo. Now he's gone through 14 years of waiting for the promise. Anybody ever felt like you've been waiting for God's promise, that he gave you a promise, but there's been delay, anyone? Yeah, David knows how that felt. David knows, and so he finds himself in this moment, he doesn't know that tomorrow he's gonna to be king, but he's facing a big battle today. And I believe that this word, part of this word is that there are a lot of people that you're in that zigzag, and I wanna give you a roadmap from David, because David got there. The Bible would be a lot different if he didn't handle this day the way he handled it. And for some of you, you are right on that cusp. 
I believe there are people here, you're right on that cusp that God's promises to you have not fallen void and he's about to unlock something. And so I wanna just go through this roadmap, give you four quick things out of David's life, out of this day, this day, so you fully step into what God has planned for you. Amen? All right. So I'm gonna do a little expository. I'm gonna read and I'll stop and I'll read and I'll stop and I'll jump around a little bit. But set up the preface here. David and his mighty men, there's 600 guys. These guys were losers when he met them. But over the last decade, he's turned them into giant slayers. He's turned them into feared warriors. They are now like the special forces, the Navy SEALs of their day. These are the best of the best uh, warriors that David took, like I said, they were nobodies. They were, Bible calls them losers. And then David is, they went and fight, he gets them ready. They go fight and do what they do. They come back to Ziglag where their camp was and they discover that their entire camp has been ransacked by the Amalekites. Their kids, their spouses, and all their stuff has been taken away. So that's where we pick up on this story. Verse three, guys, thank you. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives, Aniam and Abigail, went, uh, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, not the cannabis kind, the other kind, because the soul of all the people, <laughs> oh my gosh, he said that word in church. <laughs> spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Now we're gonna stop here, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Listen, tomorrow he's gonna find out that he's king. Tomorrow. Imagine if this verse read differently and David got really sad and left and David gave up and killed himself. And David decided he didn't want to lead the mighty men anymore. So many things. And it's not like he had a bunch of encouraging friends. Like at Awaken, we have encouraging people. You should be getting encouraged here. You should be in a connect group where people believe in you and speak life in you and see the gifts on you. This is an encouraging atmosphere. But, you know, and I'm thankful for that. I love our church. People are so encouraging. They come up to me, great word, Pastor Matt. Da, da, da. But I'm just imagining, imagine if like I was up here and each one of you were coming up to me after and said, you should kill yourself. You don't belong here. We're mad. We're probably going to take you out. I don't, have, I don't have anyone on my corner. This David has reached this point where he has nobody in his corner, but he knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. Can I tell you this, Christian? Part of walking this walkout that Jesus has given you, this new life, is God wants you to learn how to be a self-feeding Christian. Meaning you don't only hear the Bible on a Sunday or a Wednesday or at men's and women's prayer, but you have begun to read the word of God on your own. You have begun to foster a prayer life. You have begun to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And it's a good idea to learn how to do it when you're not facing a trial so that when you face a trial, you know what to do already. Because how many people have done the like, Lord, the Peter, when he was sinking in the water, save me, Jesus. Like, we're really good at the save me, Jesus prayers, right? And that's okay. God will still show up for the save, you, save me, Jesus prayers. But he wants you to learn to not just be the save me, Jesus Christian. He wants you to learn to be the Christian who knows his ways, who knows how he operates, who knows how God works in our world. 
I mean, this story was so close. Tomorrow, David becomes king after waiting 14 years. You ever notice that when God does something sudden in your life, for you, usually it's like, yeah, it took a long time for him to move suddenly. <laughs> right? Everyone else is like, man, it's crazy. You just overnight success. You're like, no, I spent 10 years grinding this thing, working this thing. So you never want to just assume when you see somebody in a blessing, you don't, you don't know the journey that they went through to get there. Because I know for me, when God moves suddenly, usually I'm like, okay, that took a minute for you to do that really fast. But when he moves, it's awesome. And God was going to move tomorrow, but he David could have got off the track today. And you're going to see that actually Ziglag and even the bad thing that happened was a setup. It was setting him up to make sure that tomorrow went right. Some things that are going on in your world that seem like the biggest obstacle are actually God's preparation because he protects his children. There are some things I know God has saved. I mean, he has saved my butt a lot of times, especially when I was a teenager, a lot of times. I, I probably shouldn't be alive, honestly. But, <laughs> but the things that get past God's protection, often as a Christian, they're the things that are getting you set up and preparing you for what he wants to do in your world. Okay, that was good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Matt. High five. All right. Learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Practical, let me explain that practical. Learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. Pray with authority. Yeah. Yeah. Declare, use the word of God. We have men's and women's prayer every week to teach you how to pray. Prayers that actually change things. Reading your Bible and worship. Worship. I, can I just tell you, like, you, you can have this in your car. You can have this in your house. Worship music is so good for your soul. You get the word of God in your heart and you begin what you're doing. You might just think, oh, it's a great tune. But you do realize when you're singing those words, you're prophesying over your life. You know, what the enemy stole, it will come back to me. That's directly from the Bible. You're prophesying over your life. You're recalibrating your mind to think God's thoughts, not your own thoughts. So point number one, learn how to be someone who can strengthen themselves in the Lord. Okay, let's keep going on this story. Overwhelming victory. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people. Oh, go to the next one, guys. Verse seven. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, please bring me the ephod. Bring it here to me. And he brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them without fail, recover all. Point number two, to live a life of overwhelming victory is pursue what God promised you. Pursue what God promised you. To chase after it. Listen, this was not a convenient time to pursue. These guys were so tired, they just got done fighting. And the Bible says that they were so tired that 200 of the 600 men didn't even go in the battle to rescue their own family. That's how beat up and torn down these guys were, how, how exhausted they were. But David knew that God said it, so I've got to go for it. If God said it, I've got to trust it. If God said it, I've got to pursue. How many people, God has told you a thing. God has whispered to you a thing. You've got a word in your heart. You know God has called you to a thing, and, but it's exhausting. You want to quit the pursuit. Quit the pursuit. Settle. So many people were right on the cusp of your palace. Tomorrow he's gonna be in the palace. But today he's gotta pursue. Today he's gotta pursue God's promises. If God has told you a thing, 
don't you change the subject until he changes the subject or until you see it come to fruition. And to, why, that's why Jesus told, told us that when you pray, here's how you pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So there's things in your life that don't look like his kingdom in heaven and you are an ambassador of it and you're meant to usher in. You say, hey, that doesn't look like the way God intended it. Then I'm gonna keep pursuing till it looks the way God intended it. I'm not gonna let my circumstance change my direction or settle. See, we, we often settle because we don't wanna be let down again. That's where people settle. It's not that you can't fight anymore, but you're just, you're wondering, is this gonna be the day? Is this gonna be the time? Is this gonna be the relationship? Is this gonna be the job? Is this gonna be the business idea? But you gotta keep pursuing. If God said to do it, then surely you will overtake. You will have victory if God said it. But we have to have the tenacity to partner with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, despite what I'm facing, you said this. You said I will have a good marriage. You said my kids, if I raise them in the house of God, that they, they won't depart from when they're old. So even though they're off the rocker right now, I'm still gonna pursue what you said you would do in Jesus' name. Pursue what God said. Okay, next point. We're gonna go to verse 11 real quick, guys. So he takes 400 of the 600 men. He leaves 200 back with the camp and they begin to pursue, okay? He's got, he, he tells the guys, hey, you can kill me later. Follow me, we're gonna go get everything back, all right? And so it says, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Out of context, this seems kind of a weird part of the story. He's on a mission right now. He has a mission from God. He, he sought God and God said, go get the enemy. And as they're going, he seems to pause for a minute and take care of a stranger. Isn't that interesting? How many people, when, you're, when you've got a mission and it, you're, you're, you see this with people, they get really passionate about mission, which I love passion for mission, but all of a sudden they lose all sight of everyone else. Yeah. Right? How many people have gone after a business and had great success there, but then all their relationships have fallen apart because they're only chasing the vision, not remembering that <laughs> you don't stop being a Christian and when you're going after the Christian vision. Wow. Let me say that again for you, you type A people that love the mission. You don't stop being a Christian, being kind, being like Jesus, loving people, taking care of people, helping people at the, for the sake of the mission. Now, here's what we find out. So David, in the middle of this mission that's very urgent, stops and helps somebody. But what they find out after is that that somebody was a servant in the Amalekite army, and he knows where the Amalekites are that have his family and all their stuff. He not only knows where the family is, he knows, you know, the size of the army, the camp. Mind you, these guys never saw the army that came and raided. They didn't know what they were walking into. Now they have intel they would have never had if they hadn't stopped and taken care of a man that really, they had no obligation. They just find this guy laying in a field, seems dead, he hasn't drinking water or eating food for three days. They revive him, but in the reviving him, they actually get what they needed to accomplish the mission they had. That is the coolest part about being a Christian. 
that as you begin to share your faith and revive people while on journey, those people will end up being the people that unlock you to do what God has made you to do. That's how God set it up. That's how he works. You can't do your destiny on your own. You need other people. And you just behaving like a Christian, it opens those doors. You never know when you're sewing into something that that person might have intel or something you're gonna need in the future. I remember years ago, we were doing our first young adult conference and I wasn't even the young adult leader. I was just on the team and we had just moved to San Diego. I didn't know anybody except for the people that were already going. And our, our pastor said, hey, we're gonna do our first conference. I need each of you to try to get 10 people there. And I'm like, cool, I, do, I know literally five people's names in San Diego right now. We are brand new to the church. But I knew a lot of people in my hometown because I was a youth pastor back there. So I start calling all my kids that had graduated a couple years ago and say, hey, you gotta come to this thing. I end up getting 10 of them, I end up getting nine of them to come and my cousin, who's a pastor at the time in Colorado. Now, I, I, I helped anyone that was finances, I ended up helping. We ended up spending like $2,000 helping people get to this conference, but I wanted to get people there because I knew it was gonna be powerful. My cousin was the one I spent the most on. He was church, starting a church in college. He had like no money, so I paid for him and his fiance. To, I paid plane tickets, I paid for him to come. Okay, I just wanted him to be there. I knew he'd get blessed. I didn't know, now fast forward, probably eight years later, my cousin owns a Chick-fil-A. He's doing really well. He's doing really well now. We were going through an incredibly hard financial time. Like to the point where I was like, God, if you don't do a miracle, we're gonna lose our house. And I go to the mailbox and I see a letter, which never get a letter from family, from my cousin. And he writes in there, hey, I've never forgot how you paid for me to go to this camp. I've never forgot that. And I've just been thinking about, I wanna be more generous. You're one of the people, something like Tenacious, like I, you're one of the most generous people I know. I wanted to sow into you. And he sent us a $5,000 check. Wow. When I desperately needed it. I didn't know that God was sent, but do you, do you see what I'm saying? Be, be a Christian, even when it's not convenient. Be a Christian when they get your order wrong at the, at the drive-thru. Be a Christian when they cut you off on the freeway. Don't give them half a peace sign. Give them a full peace sign. It's, like, it's, it's cool, man. Don't give them that half peace sign, all right? Sow seeds of kindness, generosity, all the things we know, you know? I love it when people like use that as an insult when they're bitter at church, like they don't act like a Christian. Well, you're whining. You're not sounding like a Christian either, okay? But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you never know. So can you strengthen others even when you're going? I mean, David and his men, they were going through it. When you go through it, do you shut down? Do you get cruel? I'm speaking to myself. When I'm stressed, I need to be a nicer husband. Huh, babe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, need, I need to not be so short with my kids. You know, it's easy. we all can do it. But don't forget that part of the journey is God, God is preparing you. He's preparing you and he's preparing relationships for you. Amen, that's a good point. All right, point number four. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase the rest and I'm gonna jump to verse 26. So guess what happens? David catches up with the Amalekites, kicks their butts, destroys them all, except for a few guys that got away on a camel. But uh, it's just what the Bible says, so I'm just giving you the paraphrase. <laughs> kicks their butts. 
Not a, not a hair was touched on any of the wives or the kids. They were all fine. They got all their stuff back, the Bible says. Every piece, every article that was stolen was returned. Plus all the plunder, because they kicked the Amalekites' butt. So they got all that extra. Got all that extra. Now I want to pick up here, because this is a very interesting part of the story. And I want, I want you to see I want you to see that in your zigzag, what you would have thought was here for your demise was actually God setting David up for tomorrow. For tomorrow, watch this. Now, when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Why is this significant? He didn't know this. But tomorrow, everyone would find out that King Saul was dead. And the first tribe that would declare David to be king was Judah. He was sowing into his future. Do you see that? that this struggle, but because he went through the struggle, he got more spoils than he had before. And in that overflow, he was generous. And tomorrow, everyone would put their hand up and say, that's our king. Because we've seen him be generous when he didn't have to be. Of course, I want him to be our ruler. We remember the prophecy. Remember, David had been prophesied to be king more than a decade ago. He had killed Goliath more than a decade ago. He was old news. He wasn't on the radar anymore. But that day before he hit the palace and the prophetic word released over his life came true was his beginning of that day was the darkest day. But God was using that moment to set him up that he would be uncontested as being the king of Israel. Can I tell you today, if you're facing something that seems overwhelmingly big, it's because God has overwhelming victory planned for your life. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want to pray over you guys. I want to pray over our church. Part of the reason I felt this word is I felt like a lot of people are in their zigzag right now. And you know what's funny? Can I hit, hit you on this? You know what? Besides, obviously, the fear of losing his family and all the and his wife and his kids and all his stuff, that's hard. But you know what else would have hurt so bad for David? His men rejected him. Who he'd spent a decade making into the men they were that day. Can I tell you that David's life was marked with rejection? We, we see little glimpses. So this wasn't the first time David had had massive rejection. When Samuel came to anoint a new king, his dad didn't even invite him to the party. He's like, there's no way it's David. I'll get my other seven sons. It's not gonna be David. David was rejected as a child. Then he defeats Goliath, gets to marry the princess, and all you can see, all he wants to do is honor King Saul. He's not trying to take a kingdom. He, he won't even touch that. And Saul gets jealous because people are impressed with what he did to David. And Saul rejects him. His, his, like his surrogate father, first his real father, now somebody who he looks to is like, if I'm gonna be king, maybe you can teach me. Your son's my best friend. I'm married to your daughter. And Saul rejects him and tries to kill him. And now he's here and his own men. Why am I saying this? 
Because some of your zigzags, you don't believe it's your zigzag because you've been here before. Man, I can't believe I'm broke again. Man, I can't believe I'm, we're talking about divorce again. Man, I can't believe I'm, I'm taking these pills again. Man, I can't believe I'm looking at this thing again. Just because you've maybe had to circle this battle before does not mean it's not your zigzag moment. In fact, often those are the victories we need. Those are the, David would have, to be a good king, he had to let go of rejection. And I believe on this day, it wasn't just that he saw a great victory and got his stuff back. I believe that he conquered that demon of rejection that had been plaguing him for 14 years. And now he would walk tall and say, it doesn't matter what people think about me in the moment because my God is with me and he's chosen me. And tomorrow he's gonna find out that that prophetic word that was given to him years ago has come to pass. He stepped out of the rejection. For some of you, you're getting ready to step out of your zigzag. And you may have been here before, but you have to choose to declare over your life, I will have overwhelming victory. Come on, if you wanna see overwhelming victory in an area, if this word's for you, if you're ready to see the zigzag moment, come off of your life, put your hands in the air, I'm gonna pray for you. Come on, lots of people, lots of people feel like they're in zigzag right now in the name of Jesus. Listen, you're here in the house of God and God is proud of you. On this Sunday, you showed up. You showed up. David showed up. God is setting you up. God, I declare that the zigzag moment is broken and I declare that from this moment, you are preparing the palace for your children. The promises that you have given to us, you are unlocking them now. You are unlocking them now, Lord. We declare a new season. Isaiah, streams in the wilderness, open doors that we've never seen open. God, thank you. Thank you that you're moving, that you're power, that you're raising up a mighty church to bring the gospel to this city and that each child of yours in here, you wanna use in a mighty way. Lord, let us not quit in the zigzag. Let us not uh, be a person that can't strengthen ourselves, but may we hold firm to the promises that you have given us. And if you believe God's bringing you to the next stage, if you believe he's bringing you out of your zigzag into your palace, give God a clap and a shout and thank him for who he is. Come on, come on, real quick. I wanna pray for one other group of people. We can just bow our heads for a minute and close our eyes. If you're in this place and you're far from God, maybe you once walked with him, but if you're honest, you're not walking with him now. Or maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe somehow you find yourself here, somebody brought you, somebody invited you. Listen, this, this overwhelming victory is a promise for his kids. And the Bible says that his kids we become adopted in the family. We become a part of God's family by accepting the fact that Jesus made a way. That Jesus went to that cross and died in my place so that I could be forgiven of all my sin, of all my shame, all my guilt, all the things that we would never want people to know. Jesus went to that cross so you could be forgiven, so you, then you can have a relationship with a perfect heavenly father and you can get the Holy Spirit in your life and you can step into what he has planned for you. You know, not a single person here, God didn't make without a plan. You're not a mistake. You're not a cosmic mistake that came from lightning hitting goo a billion years ago, no. God made you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. If that's you, you're far from God, 
with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I wanna just include you in a prayer. And so just between you and God right now, I'm gonna ask you in a minute to raise your hand. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down, but it's just, it's a, it's a surrender. You're putting your hand up saying, okay, God, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want you in my life. I want you in the driver's seat. I've tried it on my own. It's not working. I want you in the driver's seat. So if that's you right now, we just, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, put your hand in the air. Thank you, I see your hand. 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 Once I've seen your hands, you can put them down. It's amazing. Anyone else? I wait for a minute because somebody waited for me and I'm so glad they did. Come on. You all can look up at me. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. Can we give a hand for those four people that raised their hand in here today? I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of each and every one of you. Listen, I'm gonna pray real quick. We're all gonna pray this out loud together. If you raised your hand, pray this prayer. Mean it from your heart. It's not my magic words. It's you, your heart saying, yeah, this is it. And then after that, our ministry team's gonna be up here. And I would love you. We're gonna have other people come up for prayer too. But if you just come up, we have a gift we wanna give you and we wanna pray with you. So you can just tell the ministry team that you raised your hand today and we wanna give you a gift. We got a Bible and a book called Following Jesus just gonna help you walk this out. But right now, look up at me. If you prayed that prayer, you're gonna pray this out loud and mean it from your heart and the rest of us will pray it with you. So dear Jesus, this morning, I give my life to you. Thank you for dying on that cross for my sin. Thank you that you forgive me I ask now to come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me walk out this life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.